a new low. A plunge into depravity. A sad commentary on our degenerating culture. A disgusting, repulsive, grotesque spectacle. Hello and welcome to the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast, episode 249. Um, where I think this might not be the most cheery podcast, as our intro suggests. Um, to delve over some of the games from this weekend is Ryan Crombie. Uh, I'd say I'm happy to be here, Tom, but um, I think all the listeners know by the results this weekend um, that nobody's going to be happy listening to this podcast. And if you are, I don't know why you are. <laughs> well, there might be a few reasons to be happy, namely Ross County restoring some Scottish pride, but we'll get onto that. Lewis, are you certainly happier to be here? Ah, well, I'm uh, pleased to be on the podcast, Tom, but I suppose it's one of those ones if you don't laugh, you'll cry, innit? Mm-hmm. Good to see Mr. On that note, I think we'll uh, just throw ourselves, I was going to say throw ourselves into the action, but I suppose throw ourselves off something and into the action. Uh, start with the most recent game, San Marino nil, Scotland 2. Uh, Lewis, um, what did you make of this game? Well, I think just the I think what you've you'll have seen from social media and everything after the game, I think everybody's sentiments are pretty much the same, and that is just one of complete underwhelming. You know, after the the shocking result with Kazakhstan, I think we all thought we were we were going to go and San Marino. We all expected at the very least a big big reaction from the players, and if we got a big reaction from the players, I don't think. San Marino were, would have been in a position to really match us as they're not in a position to match anybody when they play to a semi-competent level generally but then again I felt that we just got the same performance we were playing a, a, consider, a considerably uh, weaker opposition in San Marino because Kazakhstan turned out yeah we should have beat them but Kazakhstan were actually pretty a half-decent side so I, I wouldn't while we won the game tonight I think the performance levels were about the same there was the same sort of slackness for the players and you could see towards the end of the game worryingly that San Marino were actually getting a wee bit more confident and they were, I know it was their undoing in the end because we hit them in the counter attack but they were venturing forward into the half a wee bit more and there was there was times of the game that we looked really uncomfortable so yeah coming away coming away from the, the two games the double header it's things aren't looking rosy at all in my book anyway mm-hmm. um, Ryan is there anyone at all from uh, the San Marino game that give pass marks to um, no, I think just in terms of a team display, it was just it's becoming a bit symptomatic under McLeish in terms of there's a real lack of creativity, a lack of impetus going forward, um, and susceptible to just bad defending at the back, and it's they all look like they don't care either. There doesn't appear to be a reaction in terms of. I mean, I know. We're speaking about the San Marino game here, but the the Kazakhstan game on uh, Thursday night, none of them looked bothered that they were two goals down inside ten minutes. There wasn't that even uh, perception that there was a reaction that they wanted to get back into the game or change the the impetus the way the match was going. And it was kind of the same uh, against San Marino. I mean. F- uh, Fans were booing them during the game, for goodness sake, as they passed it around the back against San Marino, the worst team in the world, which 
it's not a cliche or a, a ma- it's a matter of fact that they are the worst team in the world and Scotland laboured to a 2 0 victory over them. It's like any other team that Scotland would be playing like what happened on Thursday night and they probably would have beaten Scotland and it's to go and play the worst team in the world and who were beaten by Cyprus 5-0 while Scotland were struggling against Kazakhstan on Thursday night it's shocking and the fact that people are actually trying to justify it in terms of well it's important just to get the three points and all this kind of power that, that's not it's we're past just results now I think we've chucked away um, chances of qualifying inside the opening 10 minutes in the first game so you want a level of performance you want a reaction and they certainly didn't get that and whether that's down to the manager the the management team the, the team itself the whole thing just appears to be uh, rotting from mm-hmm. inside the camp and it's not great it's not great to watch and you'd probably suggest despite actually having a playoff place to play for in a year's time we are at our worst point as a national team in at least a decade. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned that playoff space uh, spot, even Ryan. Do you think that's maybe weighing too much on the minds of the players? I think um, the chances are, if you've managed to not get relegated from your group in the Nations League, you're going to have a playoff somewhere. Given it's for the Euros, and there's a small um, talent pool to uh, or team to choose from. So, regardless if you finish first or second, that you probably will have a chance to get in, in these Nations League's playoff. Do you think that's maybe? It would have been better if we'd finished second in the group, Lewis. You speak to me there, Tom? Yeah, I said Lewis, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think... uh, uh, You are Lewis, yes. (laughs) But you started off speaking to Ryan. Uh, I think that... I think, yeah, the Nations League probably will be playing a a wee bit in the players' minds. It's a a very, very different sort of approach to come into one of these qualifying groups in because generally you're coming in, you've been bored rigid with friendlies against the likes of the Faroe Islands and Australia and friendlies at Easter Road and stuff. Whereas... We've actually came into this, it's as if we've kind of closed the door on one av- avenue to qualification and then bang, we're into another, we're into these groups which have been a sort of bread and butter for years, so it's almost as if the players haven't haven't really got going again, it's like they felt they achieved something by securing this playoff with Finland and the, and the Nations League and now bang, they're into the action again, it's, yeah, there is a sense of that about it, but you just feel towards the end of the, the Nations League games there that you felt that the team was looking kind of young. Yeah, there wasn't many caps in it. It was a wee bit raw and inexperienced, but he did feel that it was maybe the start of something. If they could keep the sort of core of the team together and our players going forward, like your James Forrest, who was carrying us there in those Nations League games, there's absolutely no doubt about it. If we could keep these players going and keep them informed, then there was the makings of quite a good team. But then it, it seems that it, since in the Kazakhstan and the San Marino game, it, it's just fallen apart. I mean, the defence looks an absolute shambles. That That's the main issue for us. I mean, the defence is cobbled together. I've no doubt that tonight, if you know a team with more firepower than Sam Marino would have scored against us. And to be fair, I would think, having sat and watched Ireland limp to a one 0 win over Gibraltar last night, I would think maybe if that game was at Gibraltar, Gibraltar tonight, I think we could have maybe been in a wee bit of bother. You know. Mm. Mm, yeah, you mentioned that defence was that the area that you saw the most concerning, Ryan. Uh no. I mean, I think in terms of. Yes, in terms of the Kazakhstan game and the the San Marino game, um, the defending wasn't great, but I think 
what people want to see is always exciting football. Um, and you can almost get away with bad defending if you're scoring goals up the other end, like we done against Israel at Hamden. Um, not that we defended particularly badly, but we're just scoring goals. And at the minute, there just seems to be uh, a, an attacking problem, despite having all these attacking midfielders in the squad who are brilliant at club level, like Cal McGregor, Stuart Armstrong, Kenny McLean, uh, got obviously scored today, but um, and got his first full cap today, but he didn't do much else. Um, John McGinn as well, <sighs> absolutely anonymous against Kazakhstan. I mean, Cal McGregor was absolutely shocking against San Marino, the worst team in the world. Yet he's a top performer, week in week out for Celtic. And I have to say, he, he well nobody was, but he wasn't much better when he was given the captain's armband on the uh, Thursday night. Um, it's just in terms of what you want from Scotland looking at that team you want goals I mean you look at the left hand side of the pitch tonight and you have Andy Robertson um, and Ryan Fraser uh, and Johnny Russell they were swapping over um, I mean that that's a Premier League sort of wing you've got and they can't break down a, like a San Marino it's just like is that down to what they're working on the training ground when they go away with Scotland? Is that what they're uh, they're looking at in terms of this is what you need to do to break this team down? Um, well, it must be because at club level they're able to do it fine. I mean, Andy Robertson's got the most assists as a, a defender in the Premier League. Um, Ryan Fraser's got the most assists, I think, full stop in the Premier League. So, Barring Eden Hazard, who's yeah. not the worst competition in the world. So it's a problem in terms of the Scottish setup, whether they come away from these Premier League clubs to an archaic sort of style of coaching or analysis. We don't know. Obviously, we don't see all that kind of stuff. But it certainly strikes as being something along those lines because it is so rigid, one-dimensional and... As I mentioned, the Scotland fans were booing um, Scotland as they passed it around the back um, tonight against San Marino. It's just it's not acceptable. Um, and people say, as Lewis mentioned there, there's not a lot of caps in the squad, but you should be able to break down teams like Kazakhstan and San Marino. Mm-hmm. And these these teams don't have great players either, yet they're able to... Um, well, more like speaking at Kazakhstan in this sense, but they're able to... Mm-hmm. have a go, create chances, create openings and stick a few goals in the back of the net. I mean, Scotland more than have the capabilities to do that. And as I mentioned, they, the players are doing it regularly at club level. So there is absolutely no reason why um, the the team shouldn't be achieving more than they are at the minute or what they have in these two games. And whether, as I mentioned, that's down to the management team then if it is, they, they need to go, which I don't think anybody would uh, disagree with me on that one. You were speaking about Callum McGregor mm. there, and I was speaking to that a bit earlier, but just to say it on here as well, what I always find quite disappointing about him tonight was, as you were saying yourself in the first half especially, he was pretty poor. I mean, he was he was quite slack with his passes. He was giving the ball away a lot. And one of Callum McGregor's main strengths was, I mean, he's a wonderful player. He's probably one of the best players in the squad. In fact, maybe the best player in the Scotland squad. Maybe not, but he's up there. Uh, and... 
what he's one of his main attributes with Celtic is that he so seldom loses the ball, but even when he does, he absolutely busts a gut to get it back, and he all he always gets it back. But tonight you were seeing him, and when he was losing the ball, he was just kind of jogging back into position, and just with attitude, or somebody else will get it because obviously San Marino probably weren't going to pounce through and score off it, you know. But it's maybe these uh, that's a blase attitude that sort of rubs off in the team a wee bit sometimes because you do feel. Yeah, if that was if that was in a Celtic shot, you feel that he, he would have busted got to get the ball and regain possession for the team, whoever it was against. I mentioned Cal McGregor there, but I feel that um, it would be slightly unfair to single him out, yeah, as I it agree, was, yeah. I would suggest, Shinian on Thursday night, because nobody gets pass marks, and I would say everyone had the same attitude in terms of this turn-up-and-win attitude, um, or they just simply don't care whether, as you sort of alluded to, Tom, that's down to already having a playoff spot. Um, could be, but that's extremely unprofessional, and you don't expect that of those standard of players, guys who are playing week in, week out at Premier League level um, in the top of the Scottish Premiership. It, it's just not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of the common complaints from over this weekend has been the the management trident of um, Grant, McLeish and McFadden. Lewis, um, does the blame fall down at their door mostly? Well, I think it's it's got to be a sort of mutual blame. It's with all things in football because, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, Alex McLeish can be as, as poor a manager as you want, but I would like to think that if I was a professional footballer and I was blessed with the talent and the ability that some of these people are, I would like to think every time I cross that white line with a Scotland shirt on, I would give 110% to win, so yeah, a lot of the a lot of the blame for such poor performances against San Marino and then the result against Kazakhstan has to lie with the players, but has to be said, since Alex McLeish came in, except for the wee sort of purple patch in the, towards the end of the Nations League yeah, group stage there, yeah, things haven't looked well. Things have looked almost like they've they've gone backwards a wee bit, and we weren't exactly on a strong footing to start with. It was a it was always a, always a sort of funny appointment. It just seemed very safe, very predictable, very SFA getting one of the the old boys in. Of course, they were they were after Walter Smith, who actually preceded Alex McLeish in the job before, and then they've gone for Alex McLeish. So it really does feel almost as if like the cycle has just kind of repeated itself in terms of the recruitment. But it's not even. Yeah, Alex McLeish and Walter Smith Scotland teams were pretty good and probably, unfortunately for people our age, probably the best Scotland teams we've seen. But ultimately, they didn't qualify for anything. They they fell at the last hurdle, as Scotland always do. So it's like we're, we're going back to the past, but we're not even going back to past successes. We're, we're, going, back, we're going back to past failures. And since McLeish comes, it, it was a quite an uninspiring appointment, but sometimes these ones turn out to surprise you and he might have been brilliant but it seems like the players have bought into the fact that well the players haven't bought into it that's the thing it, it, the players seem kind of bored almost there's nothing new coming out of it I don't, I don't think they seem particularly engaged I think you can see that with the amount of call, the amount of, sort of strange call-offs that happened before the squads there's a lot of that and then we've seen a lot of these we've seen much more sort of flat performances and performances like tonight in Kazakhstan that we've seen anything good since he came in and yeah that is a worry, and I would worry about us going, fo- going forward in the group. Yeah. Mm. Um, and now, Ryan, you look at a lot of uh, international teams. Watch quite a bit this weekend. Um, you look at Wales, for instance. They're playing. They're using a, a lot of their youth players trying to play attack forward thinking football. Similarly, England. Um, 
and when you look at the Scottish team, is there much of an identity there? Is there any sort of plan? And obviously, it's different from club football. You can't um, get these. You don't get these players five days a week um, to get them down, uh, train them how to do a high press, a low press, or whatever. Four three three, four four two. But you look at a lot of other um, nations our size, bigger, whatever, close to us, like England. They seem to have an identity. We don't have one at all, do we? No. I mean, it's all just cobbled together shite. It's mm-hmm. There's no plan in place in terms of... There might be at a lower level in terms of from your sort of under-15s to the under-21s, mm-hmm. but from the under-21s to then the full team, the national, like the, the mm-hmm. first team, there is very, very little players making the jump from the under-21s to... Mm-hmm the national team which it doesn't make sense I mean you just it just strikes of a lack of ambition or creativity uh, just a plan in general I mean I think you, you get that sense from them just appointing Alex McLeish in the first place as Lewis mentioned just what can we think of what have we done in the past it's so archaic and it's unfortunately that's what it's like at the top level in the SFA and I've seen Greg Taylor's the captain of um, the under-21s, um, left-back. Why isn't he getting called up to play um, on Thursday night in Kazakhstan when you're short of a left-back? Instead, Graham Shinney, who was a left-back maybe three years ago, is shoved in there and then hung out to dry after he performs badly. I mean, what do, what do people expect? You should be sticking in players who are performing well from the under twenty one setup into the the first team. I mean that's how you create a pathway for these players to make a name for themselves on the international stage and give youth a chance. Which I watch quite a lot of clips in terms of because the Scottish national team are quite good in term the on social media in terms of putting up and streaming games um, from the the youth youth teams and some of the some of the football they play is brilliant. Um, and then you, you sit and watch that tonight and it's just like, well, what's gone wrong from the under-21s destroying Turkey, playing really good football, um, Zach Rudden getting a hat-trick, to then the national team struggling to beat San Marino in a qualifiers? There is a problem in terms of the final jump of development from under 21's national team and I think it just goes down to them not being trusted or given a chance and unfortunately I just think it's symptomatic of the entire SFA uh, governing body in Scotland it's archaic, out of date um, and as the, Sco- the Scotland fans that you heard them singing tonight, sack the board I think everybody's beginning to realise that that is the case It'd be interesting to know mm-hmm. exactly what it is that does go wrong between that that jump between the under twenty ones and the first team, wouldn't it? Because whether it's a, a completely psychological thing or whether there's more to it, I don't know. But it's it's definitely been something that that's is going on for years. That there seems to be a wee bit of a toxicity about the about the the A squad a wee bit. And I think as you were saying at the start, Tom, you were speaking about the the other home nations and things playing over this weekend. When you watch teams like Wales and Ireland and Northern mm-hmm. Ireland, just an hour or so ago there playing over the weekend, these teams are all, these teams when they get together are all greater than the sum of their parts, whereas Scotland, we've got quite a lot of good individual players and I would say to be honest that when you look at us compared to Northern Ireland, 
I might might be wrong, but probably up for debate. But I would say that we've got as good as, if not maybe even slightly better, squad in Northern Ireland. And there's quite a few of our players, I think, that they would bite your hand off to half. But yet, they have a way of playing. They have an identity. They have a way which wins them games. The players all buy into it. The manager buys into it. The fans buy into it. More than the Scotland fans have been engaged with the team for a few years. So they all, yeah, they're, they're greater than the sum of their parts. That's the thing. They all pull together in this, the same direction. But there's none of that with Scotland that's so... You just get the impression there's a lot of egos in there. The players are all they're pulling out. There's no continuity of, of lineups. Every time you think you've got a good thing going, there's all these, all these uh, frivolous injuries crop up when the squad gets announced. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a problem. And what it is, we don't know because none of us are, none of us are in the know in terms of the, inside the Scotland dressing room. But there's there's definitely a definitely a, a problem there somewhere. I mean, people can then counter that and say, well, you've got Bates, you've got McKenna, you've got Ollie McBurney playing now. But they hadn't been gradually introduced into the setup. They have been chucked in there mm-hmm. um, at the deep end when yeah. things are gone badly, when all of a sudden you, Grant Hanley and Crystal Berra can no longer play centre-back for Scotland. It's just ridiculous in terms of how these guys, all of a sudden you're having to rely upon them when they've hardly played any international football before last year. It's just, um, it's terrible. Um, and it it all comes to fruition in terms of what you've seen in these last two games. If you don't have a plan, if you stick by archaic ways of knowledge of football, then you're not going to succeed and you're going to end up with results like Kazakhstan on Thursday night and struggling to beat teams like San Marino as inexplicable as that is. It's just firefighting all the one, time. One thing you do, I think my 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 view on it would be that there it's just a lack of discourse between the two. There's no real connection between the um under twenty ones and the first team. You look at what um Southgate and Ryan Giggs do for Wales and England respect or England and Wales respectively even, is that if they see they've got a talented player in their hands like um uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek for England and Southgate and Ravi Matundo for Wales um, and Giggs. Uh, they've, Giggs and Southgate have gone out of the way to play them when they haven't been playing for the first team to to almost do the opposite, the other way around of um, showing them off to their club manager when obviously it should be the other way around. And There are plenty of players like that in the Scotland system that um, mm-hmm. are doing really well under 21s but aren't potentially playing that much. And I'm not saying we've got to go and play six or seven under 21s in a, an important game like what these two were this weekend obviously the Kazakhstan is slightly more important but giving players putting players in the squad a bit more exposure but showing them what it's like in the first team and if there was a coherent plan then that obviously would make sense but at the moment there doesn't seem to be a coherent plan so it's almost a good thing that we're not risking them um, but yeah as, as you see I, it doesn't seem that that'll be solved anytime quickly because even if McLeish is likely to go soon then do we have any confidence Lewis in, in the board to bring someone in that will be progressive or will it just be another one from the um, one of their old friends. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a huge amount of faith in the board to bring somebody in that's progressive. But I think that they should be taking a lot of influence. You're speaking again there about Wales, England, the rest of it. You know they should be looking. I was saying this to somebody the other day. For the next appointment, if there is one, I mean that's McLeish is still a job. <laughs> just fold the national team. What's that? If there is one, just fold the national team. Is that what you're suggesting? Oh, right, aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we could probably as well be doing that, aye. Uh, no, but remember, McLeish will be in a job now lately, till June, at least. They're, they're probably not going to sack him within interim between then, so 
things can change then. People can become available. People that are available now can become not available. But no, I wouldn't have a, a huge faith in the board to pick the right man because they've had so many attempts at it and so many so many failed attempts. But at the same I think it's important mm-hmm. that for this next one, and this has been important for a few now and they never do it, but I think it would be nice to emulate the way, as you're saying there, with other home nations and get somebody on the way up in the game. I know that quite often these people don't want to take it because... Let's face it, who was the last person at the Scotland job worked out well and worked out rosy for? But I think it would be nice to see somebody like a Derek McInnes or an Alex Neil off the top of my head, somebody on their way up in the game that would want to come in, do well with Scotland and then maybe see it as a, a passport almost into the English Premier League or a, abroad or whatever it was they wanted to do, rather than somebody that's been up the top of the game, been about clubs in England, been sacked, been resigned for here, been abroad. And then it's just a kind of it's a semi retirement almost to do that four or five times a year meet up with international players and try and have success with it when they're on their way down in the game we need somebody to progress because that's mm-hmm. all your international teams who are successful do have these young managers I think the days of it being sort of washed up legends of the game team international teams are, are definitely gone and we've we've got to move on from it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, obviously it's there's not a job available at the moment and. Um, given the absolute mess that we're in at the moment, it doesn't look like we'll have much chance of getting through the this group anyway. Is there any names or even ideas that you would come to come to your head in terms of a new head coach? Uh, I was actually thinking to myself, Derek McInnes as well before the mm-hmm. um, before I came on this podcast. Um, obviously, I'm not not sure about that in terms of Aberdeen <laughs> Aberdeen myself, but I think. The, it would be extremely similar into the way he took over Aberdeen in terms of a side that is punching well below their weight in terms of where their potential lies. And Derek McInnes is very good at getting a plan in place um, and everything that Scotland needs to get back to um, a successful level. Um, not even a successful level, just something not to be embarrassed about. Um, but whether that, as Lewis would say, um, he would sacrifice the sort of regular day in day out work of club football that he's been in at Aberdeen for near enough six years for a regular sort of ground hopping, um, watching football for international football. I'm, I'm not too sure. I think that's part of the reason why it does sort of attract these kind of older figures of the game just the the nature of the post um but mm-hmm. Derek McInnes did say that he, he was never going to manage in the championship in England again after um Darren Moore got sacked at West Brom because he was just he hates how they operate and says that Mm-hmm. Um, they'll never. Uh, you can't ever build anything in England. So you never know if he was offered it. I mean, he has said before that Scotland would be a milestone in his career, like to reach. Just whether that's now, I'm not too sure. But I do think if you're asking me whether he'd do a good job or not, I think he'd be a very good shout for Scotland. But I agree with Lewis in terms of the fact it needs to be somebody that's up and coming in management and as at least come out of management school in the last 10 years and isn't reading off dusty old tomes fucking tactics and it's just because it, some of this stuff is archaic I mean you've seen some of McLeish's decisions in these games took McBurney off uh, on Thursday night in Kazakhstan and replaced him with another striker absolutely pointless um, and even 
uh, tonight against San Marino, he started Callum Patterson up front on his own with four at the back. <laughs> you don't need four at the back against San Marino. It's just pointless. It's uh, You might have worked on four at the back. You might be used to four at the back. But you should be able to shift another man upfield um, using professional football players to sort of help you and not need an extra cover at the back. Although, to be fair... Looking at some of the, the breakaways that San Marino had, he might be thankful he did have some cover. But it's just, it's not great in terms of availability for the job. I've seen people suggest Davy Moyes. I don't, don't know no, about that. Um, that's, just another, that's just another SFA yes man if they go with him. Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure. But I agree in terms of, I'd like to see somebody like Alex Neal or Derek McInnes take it, as Lewis said. Mm-hmm. Well, this all this could be all irrelevant. This if he could come out tomorrow and say this he's our man, but um, oh, and all the names we've mentioned so far, this is the, the point of the question, Lewis. I'll direct to you: is does he have to be Scottish, the next manager? I would, uh, I wouldn't say so necessarily. No, I think as as you well know yourself, Scottish people. Does he are... have to be from the British Isles, Lewis? <laughs> Aye, right. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a very archaic view of you, Ryan. As I notice you've been dropping that word in a lot. Oh. <laughs> I, that's so, a, that's given easy. you voted for Brexit, I was uh, just a wee play on the, uh, that there. I will. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? I well, I think in Scotland we're, we're not the most we're not the most uh, adventurous with these things, and we we very much do take the attitude of once bitten, twice shy. We obviously better votes and. I mean, many would tell you that it was Bertie Volks' tenure that set up what we're experiencing now. You know, that was a that was a terrible time for the national team. But uh, did get us to a playoff. Yeah, I know, I know, right enough. But it was still a demoralising experience, wasn't it? Over in Amsterdam, wasn't it? Uh, but uh, no, I, I struggle to see the SFA going to an outsider appointment again because we are a we are a strange sort of country. You know, that let's be honest, that we're quite. I, I can't really explain it, but we're just different. We're not a traditional sort of mainland Europe. Insular. Yeah, I would say we are quite insular. Yeah, we're not a traditional sort of mainland Europe country as a lot of these a lot of these managers would think would treat us like. I would imagine if they came in. So yeah, I think it, it could work for us. If I, I don't know who because I don't I don't keep on top of international managers too much, but I would think there will be there will be men out there that aren't Scottish who would come in and do a good job for us. It would probably. Give the players a bit of a kick up the arse and shake the whole thing up, which is let's face it, as we've been discussing this whole podcast, that's exactly what we need. But I, I don't think the SFA mm-hmm. would be bold enough to do it. I do kind of see the reservation scenes they did it before, and Bertie Volks came in with a high reputation, mind as well. That since they've done it before and it, it didn't exactly go down a storm, I, I could see why they wouldn't do it. I don't think they would do it, but at the same time, it it wouldn't be a bad path to go down because you see it happening all over the world. See. Mm-hmm. You see managers managing teams and they're born on the other side of the world and they're managing a team in Europe and everything. So, yeah, it's, it's a way forward, but I can't see them doing it. Shelley Kerr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could do much worse. Is that something you could get behind, Ryan? Yep, I'd get behind that. Something a bit different. Somebody who's actually proven to have qualified Scotland for a, a, a tournament. Um, I would not be adverse to her getting the job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, going. I suppose we've probably done as much as we can on the manager manager front, given McLeish is in a job as we go to press. Um, 
but Lewis, do you think that's us? That's the chances of going through this this form of qualification to the Euros gone already? Well, it's not looking brilliant. Let's be honest. Obviously, we've, we've dissected this now in quite a lot of detail about what's happened within the last four or five days, and yeah, it's not looking good. It seems like we're we're falling apart at, at the seams. Any any sort of foundations that we had that we'd built up over the Nations League there seem to just have gone. We're, we're back to square one. We're we're looking really poor. We we can't keep it's a it's a lethal combination that in football, isn't it? When you can't keep goals out, but you can't score them. So, I'm not looking brilliant. But at the same time, I think you've got to sit here. That's us after two rounds of games. And I was looking at the table earlier on, and every team in the group is all well, obviously San Marino aren't, but nobody's got more than three points. You know, so mm-hmm. I, you know, after two games, yeah, obviously away at Kazakhstan is one that we should have been looking to win. So one of us, a winnable games, has been convincingly lost. Aye, but. You've just you have just got to look at the table, what it is at the moment, and everybody's everybody's sort of eeksy peeksy, and we've got hard games to come. We know that the next header, if we turn in performances any anywhere near like that, we'll come out with absolutely nothing because it's Russia and Belgium next, isn't it? So yeah, we'll, mm-hmm. performances like that will come out with nothing. But if if we were to raise it and say get a result against Belgium and beat Russia, you know, we're back in it because as as we've said before on the podcast, football fans ourselves included are fickle, you know, and it can be. It can be a, a storm one day and then sunshine and rainbows the next day, but I don't see that happening. It doesn't. It's not looking good at all. The, the team looked really, really demoralised considering how early it is in the campaign, and that is uh, probably two. That's the easiest round of games that we will have in the whole, in the whole uh, calendar of matches. So yeah, it, it's not looking good. But at the same time, you've got to put a wee bit of perspective on it and think right. It is only two games, and technically, we're technically we're joint top of the group, technically. Oh man. I'm clutching now, at straws. Ryan, we spoke. <laughs> yeah, may as well clutch on something here. Um, now, Ryan, we spoke on what was it Wednesday night? Uh, yourself, Matt Finlay, and myself. We said, or we were fairly upbeat. I think you were slightly less so than the uh, than mm. than us two. But um, if someone had said to you in four days' time. You would ha- you'd be coming out of this with three points and a negative goal difference. What would you have said? I mean, I probably would have said, yeah, well, it's Scotland, so I'd believe them. Um, <laughs> it's just the fact that's that there, that you've come out of these two games with a negative goal difference um, proves that Scotland are nowhere near good enough to even think about finishing top two in this group. I mean... Mm-hmm. You might call it defeatist and sort of chucking in the towel early, but Russia have just gone to, to Kazakhstan and won 4 0 tonight. Uh, and we've been royally pumped 3 0 there. It's just. Russia and Belgium uh, are going to beat everyone they're expected to beat and beat us, I think, because I just cannot see Scotland turning out a big performance. Um, against these teams, I mean, you've seen how they performed against the likes of Mexico, uh, mm-hmm. Peru, and uh, Belgium under Alex McLeish, albeit friendlies, but still, they're they're big games that players shouldn't struggle to get up for. Um, and don't they score a goal on it? Well, they scored against Belgium, didn't they? No, that was Portugal. No, they, they, got, didn't. they didn't score a goal on any of the, the big games. Um, that was at that Belgium game that night. Belgium were at half pace. Belgium were absolutely walking through that game, so that is a worry. Yeah, so I just don't see 
or envisage Scotland doing anything in this group. Um, and as I say, it's weird sort of being this depressed about Scotland, given we are technically two games away from the Euros, uh, because obviously the, the playoffs are only single-legged ties, and that's against Finland at Hamden, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I know we've sort of sat here and slated Scotland, but Finland at Hamden, um, at home, it's always a wee bit different. Away, going away from home, you're always just a wee bit sceptical, but at home, Finland, and then the final... Um, would either be against uh, Serbia or Norway, Matt, is that right? Mm, I uh, think so. Aye. We've got a lot so, of work to do. We've got a lot of work to do, to be honest, to be in a fit, to be combative, to play Finland alone, but then Serbia or Norway as well. I, I, th- I mean, we need yeah, to progress but I mean, a if lot in terms of, to then. That's where Scotland's fight is. That's what I mean. And it's not in this group, which... They actually chucked away in the first 10 minutes of the first qualifying game, which is just ridiculous and only Scotland could ever do that, but they have. And <laughs> I, I think it's all about using this year to prepare for those games, finding out your best team, finding out your best formation and whether that's with Alex McLeish at the helm or not. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd trust McLeish to be able to find out that strongest team. Is that um, already your attitude as well, Lewis? You think maybe not necessarily right this year off in terms of um, qualification, but the what becomes imperative to whoever is in charge is those games in the Nations League and finding out at least the strongest core to eight, nine, ten, eleven players in your team. Uh, to an extent, yeah, I think you've we've got to we've got to sort of a, a curtail everything to the fact that we want to be ready or as ready as we can possibly be for the game against Finland and then hopefully game against Serbia or Norway as well. But I, I think it would be... I don't I don't think it would be a positive thing at all for us. Just I know we've started poorly, we all know that, but I don't think it would be helpful for us at all. I mean, for us to just disregard this group and almost see this group as a, a building exercise for the Nations League playoff because this Nations League playoff against Finland, I mean, yeah, we're sitting here talking about Finland at Hamden, that would be good. And yeah, it is a winnable game, but you better believe that Finland will be sitting there saying, oh, we've got Scotland, brilliant, because they'll fancy their chances here as well. And it's a, you know, it's a playoff game, and you know what playoffs are like, you more than most, Tom. They can, uh, they're can they just like that. You know, they're, it's, a, it's a one-off and anything can happen. So I, I think it would be a, I think it'd be a wee bit silly of us almost to completely disregard a group stage, which is our traditional bread and butter for qualifying for these things before the Nations League was a thing. I know we've had a poor Which we've never qualified from. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I think I think uh, it would be. I, I don't think we can just completely write off the group stages for the sake of a, a one off a one off playoff game at Hamden. We need to we need to apply ourselves to the group stages and treat this with the respect it deserves and and try our utmost to get through it because as football, you never know what happens. Right, I've got two very simple questions here. You'll both get to answer them both, um, so there's no need to rush. And I'll start with Ryan. Um, the first question is: um, Will Scotland be uh, at Euro two thousand and twenty? No. And will McLeish be in charge for come the first of June twenty twenty? Uh, no. No. Okay. So <laughs> you would expect no less from you, Ryan. Uh, Lewis, um, will Scotland be at Euro twenty twenty? No. 
And I'm assuming McLeish, in your view, will not be in charge then. No, he absolutely won't. Right. Okay. Awesome. Tom, I was, I was so expecting were... something a, a wee bit more. I don't know. Some a wee bit more taxing. I mean, you can't exactly oh, like sit here and expect us to answer yes to either of those questions. Well, no, I, I didn't. I, I, as the in, as the interviewer there, I was going in totally neutral. I just thought <laughs> um, there might have been a yes there. I think if we do get rid of McLeish, I think the chances of us being there are slightly better. Um, not saying we will be there, but and as you said, it's only two games away. Um, we should should beat Finland at home if if it comes to should that. Also, have um, Kazakhstan. Yeah, I know, but that's different. <laughs> I'm just hoping for some positivity to end this section of the podcast. Nope. There's no well, positivity. Until McLeish is gone. I've gave you okay. a nugget of positivity. We'll, we'll move on to some top. positivity. <laughs> joint top after yeah, the first two games. If you I think think everybody would have taken that. So there you go, it's been a success, really. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. This weekend has been a success, Scotland fans. Um, one uh, one side fans who's been a success for are Ross Counties. Um, they won the illustrious Iron Brew Cup on Saturday afternoon. Mm, and got to batter up the, the rival stadium at the same time. So, <laughs> um, Two Josh and Mullen goals and a Jamie Lindsay uh, third um, and Ross kind of came back from a goal down at in Inverness against Connors Keys Nomads. Uh, Ryan, has this restored some Scottish pride for you this weekend? Oh, no, it's just this is another competition that can just be written off completely, isn't it? It's just this needs to change. The fact that a Welsh team even got to a Scottish uh, final is just ridiculous in itself, and. I don't know. I didn't see any of the game, um, but I seen like some of the, the images and stuff. And hosting a final, at, um, the Inverness Tullochdale yeah, Stadium, where there's um, there's no no away fans. Well, I say away fans meant to be a neutral venue, but no, next to no fans up from Wales shows what that competition means to those teams. Therefore. Why have them in it? Um, it's just it's pretty pathetic to be honest. And yeah, thank God Ross County won it in the end. Otherwise, it would have just sort of been another to the cherry on the top of a an embarrassing weekend for Scottish football in general. <laughs> I couldn't understand I, why they. I, I did have why this. they had it at Inverness. Mm. To be honest, when I mean it's hardly a neutral venue, is it? It's it's pretty. I know that obviously the SFA we're going to want our own teams to win it and all the rest of it probably, but. I felt that was a bit... I mean, there's no really justifying that, having a neutral venue involving Ross County and playing it in Inverness. Do you know what I mean? A neutral venue for that is probably mm-hmm. Queen of the South or Comarnock or something like that. But no, I, I did I did watch the game and I thought I thought Connorsky were actually really, really good. I, I was expecting Ross County to, to put a few past them, to be honest. But Ross County were poor in the first half. Connorsky were... They're a really, really a big physical team. I mean, they're giant. They're a really, really tall team and they... They just hustled Ross County out of the game completely, and then it was it was only when when Michael Gardine came on, he was unbelievable when he came on. To be honest, they looked like somebody that could well be still playing in the in the top flight. He was unbelievable, and then obviously the the goals was it Mullen and Jamie Lindsay? Was it Tom? I can't remember. Yeah, aye. two for Mullen. Uh, I obviously the once Connorsky started tiring a wee bit towards the end, you saw the quality that we've seen for Ross County all season, but. 
yeah, uh, yeah. Taking away for what the obviously we've all got us at doubts about the tournament. We'd like to see different things done to it and all the rest of it. But I thought I thought it was a cracking match yesterday. To be honest, and I, I didn't think that you could say that Connor's key. I, I don't know from a fan's point of view, but. I don't think you could say that the Connors key players and management weren't buying into it because I think their manager was pretty kind of gutted at the end. They didn't win it, and that was definitely a group of players that were doing everything to try and take take a a trophy from another country. You know. Mm-hmm. Thank God, Lewis, because I did have that scheduled as our our one ray of sunshine for this podcast, and it's forty four minutes it's taken. But thank you very much. I'm all positivity, me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one other game I think we could we have have to give some air time to and it probably was the biggest game of the weekend objectively but it was uh, Dungeon United fighting back from a goal down at Tannadice to win 2-1 against Alawa our old nemesis um, do you just play them every week familiar right? foes this season yeah Alawa fans up until we scored would wish they could but um, um, no managed to watch Alawa absolutely hundreds of times this season it seems uh, both as a Dungeon United fan and as a neutral but um uh, Jim Goodwin, I think, my one takeaway from the game, other than that Dun United are going to win the league, um, is that Jim Goodwin definitely deserves a chance with a full-time side. Um, it's it's not just set this <laughs> this team in to defend against sides. and um, If they were to defend against sides, I don't think anyone could blame them because obviously the one's part-time side in the division. But um, they do try to play it from the back and play some really nice football. They've got some very good players there as well. So it's not as if um, Goodwin's trying to teach them something just because that's what he's been taught. And of course, he clearly is someone that... Um, has got players to fit this system um, and they play some really nice football and I personally hope they stay up but I know that means <laughs> very little on it. They do play some nice football, I just fear it's maybe starting to drift away from them pretty much since Hasty left and obviously that's been a welcome bonus for you Lewis. Mm, has indeed, yeah I have uh, I must admit Tom they're, they're a team uh, I think you would be lucky if I've watched Alwa once this season to be honest so I, I know very very little <laughs> about them I know that the fans had really taken to Jake Hasty when he went there and he was yeah that's what I was asking you just about Hasty oh you just want me to speak about Hasty but <laughs> alright uh, mm-hmm. well, yeah, yeah. well looking at what he's done for us as, as I've said countless times on this podcast he's uh, he's him and David Turnbull d- double handedly if you like have absolutely revolutionised our season so I mean Jake Hasty since he, since he stepped back into our first team when he was recalled from Aloha he, he's been an, he's been an absolute breath of fresh air and he's almost instantaneously become our best player and if, if he's not the best player he's definitely one of the best players and you've already seen that he's linked mm-hmm. with moves to Healy and everywhere in England he's linked with moves to Rangers and yet he's only played about 14 matches I think for us so I think that just goes to that goes to show you the, the quality of him so I can only imagine with the impact that he's made in our team and how good he's been I can only imagine how much the poor Alwa fans must must have missed him when they get him Harked back to us in, in January because that that must have been the last thing they needed. But credit to them because they're they're still they're still uh, in the fight in that league and they're even even without them. So yeah, credit to them, credit to them rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Hasties and Atta and Trouton are the three attacking players that probably get the most credit. But I think a lot has to go to Goodwin for getting that team to play the way they do and being competitive in the division. Something that obviously a slightly different side in terms of budgets as well. But Breakin couldn't do last season, so hey, fair play to Goodwin. And as I said, I would absolutely love to see him um, in the championship or even a full time side in League One next season if he does to decide uh, to depart Alloa because I think it probably will be his decision. Um, I think that nicely rounds up the weekend's action, the long weekend's action, if you include the absolute shit show that was um, the game in Asia. Um, earlier on, um, we'll move on to the question section. Um, I've got a few here. 
a few questions from two different sources here. First one's from The Snowman. Not as much of a question as as much of a, a statement in terms of the manager. I'll direct this one towards you, Ryan. Um, Fire McLeish. Appoint Moyes. Uh, the Snowman's not Moyes' biggest fan, but at least he has an ear of competence. Um, just stay away from Clark. Obviously, he's a Killy fan. I'm sure Casey will be going along with that in a, in a slimmer vein to you that you don't really want to lose McInnes being an Aberdeen fan. Um, Moyes, Ryan, I know we've touched on it. I take it. Is, is that a yes or no for you? It's a no for me. Uh, I think it's just more of the same, as we kind of mentioned. It's just more of the same in terms of an archaic approach. He's been... Where was it? West Ham he was at last. Mm-hmm. Um, he did all right at West Ham. did okay middle of the road was kept him up yeah but Scotland need better than somebody who's mm-hmm. keeping a team up do you know what I mean they need somebody with some fresh ideas Um, if at all it would be a stopgap appointment until you could get somebody else in but I don't mm-hmm. think Moyes is the answer long term no Um, and we've got three tweets from Lard O'Connor um, given we're running slightly, <laughs> uh, given we're running slightly short for time, we'll try and get out the uh, main points here. Uh, one idea is not to bring back Strachan, which I think I definitely agree with because I, I would have got rid of him. Ridiculous! As as that's even a notion. Yeah, uh, never mind. I think, I think yesterday he was actually sitting as the bookie's favourite to be the next Scotland manager as well. And I mean, only Jesus. only Scotland would that happen. I mean, it's just a, an embarrassment to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the team just looks so weak. This is coming from Larry Connor again. Um, it seems like we'd be better off with no manager, and I think we probably would if the alternative was Goran Strachan, which many seem to be thinking. Um, and his final solution, um, I'm not sure if we're saving the best last. The final year. solution. <laughs> well, that probably would be a better solution than what he's away to suggest, and that is Rod Stewart as manager. Oh. Um, I mean, just means no, he'd I'll have to go to more Celtic games, which. Um, he only turns up for the Champions League's one anyway. So, when I hear about the when I hear about the notion of Rod Stewart becoming Scotland manager, all I'll say is I don't want to talk about it. Jesus Christ! <laughs> right, um, what a lovely way to uh, draw to a close uh, the main section of the podcast. Just a quick um, announcement from everyone here at Burstball. This is obviously our two hundred forty ninth podcast, so the next one, um, a quarter of a millennium. Uh, if you keep an eye out on our social media, particularly our Twitter, that's obviously the one we are quickest to update. Um, so if you're on the Facebook, apologies, but we tend to get that just slightly slower. Um, but there might be a few changes coming up in the next week or so. So just keep an eye out. Uh, we'll try and keep you posted. And as always, a huge big thank you for listening. Yes, a big thank you to uh, Ryan Crombie and Lewis Burrell there for helping me along this podcast. And a big thank you to, uh, for listening. Um, if you head over to our Twitter and our Facebook in the coming week, you'll see the changes that we might be bringing to the podcast. Obviously, this has been podcast number 249, so one away from a quarter of a millennium. So um, keep your ears and eyes posted for um, updates for the future of this podcast. Thank you. You there, right?